0: Titus, if you have a Bible, let's go to the book of Titus this morning. Thank you so much for encouraging and instructing our hearts in song. It's wonderful to be with God's people today. On his day, And as Pastor Steve prayed, it's a wonderful time to encourage each other for sure. You want to? Thank all of you from my heart for participating uh, this last week. Uh, how many of you participated in, Gra- in, in Grace Bible Day Camp? Could you just raise your hand? Okay, everyone look around. All right, I could have you stand, but I won't because you're probably too tired to stand. All right, You can put your hands down. All right. I want to personally thank all of you for even coming to church today. People that participate in Grace Church and Grace Bible Day Camp absolutely know what I mean when I say that. When I used to, the Sunday morning after Grace Bible Day Camp, a couple times I'd be lying to you if I didn't tell you. I wish I kind of would have felt a little bit more horrible than I did because it would have been great to sleep in. And, uh, but thank you. There's, there's four people. I don't know if they're all in the auditorium this morning. They're even more heroic. And that is, the, uh, those folks were the week before in Missouri um, helping with a vacation Bible school, one of our arts churches in Troy, Missouri. And uh, so I don't know where Jude and Elena and Heidi and Kyle are. All right? Why don't you, I'm going to have you forstand because these folks did back to back weeks. They were in Missouri, drove all the way back to be in Grace Bible Day Camp and um go ahead elena i know i know you're all set up with your bible on your lap and ready to take notes uh thank you to you four for driving all the way down there and all the way back and then for diving right back in last week that's uh that's a lot we appreciate that very very much um, for all kinds of eternal reasons that church in missouri pastor contracted COVID and passed away in a very, very short time, and uh, his wife almost lost her life as well, Uh, we were able to step in there and help them um, continue on, Um, wasn't normal for them, but tried to make it as normal as possible for them, and um, so thank you for that. All right, well, I told you last week that we're going to take about three weeks to just kind of... Preach through some sermons that have been kind of brewing in my heart for months and months, right? So I hope they're encouraging to you because they're meant to be an encouragement. When you study the scripture as a pastor and you start to see all the spirit-filled virtues of um, God's people and you can attach those virtuous works and deeds to scriptures that you read, your heart gets warmed and encouraged. And so last week, As we looked at how grace demonstrated itself in this church, this week we'd like to talk about how good works have done the same. And take a look at some things, I think, here in the book of Titus that are helpful and refreshing to all of us. Ephesians 2.10, We are His workmanship created unto, let's finish the phrase, good works Paul says that we are his workmanship created unto good works I know it can be hard for Christians who are saved by grace apart from works to talk a lot about works in the Christian life I get that we don't ever want anyone to believe that scripture teaches that we can work our way to being saved that we can be good enough to gain God's approval and get into heaven the Bible does teach that Christ's work on the cross is a sufficient efficient work for our sin. He's the Lamb of God that came to take away our sin. He did have our sin legally placed on him by God, and when you repent from your sin and place your faith in Christ's finished work for you, God places the perfect righteousness of Christ upon you. It is indeed the most glorious exchange Spiritual exchange that anyone can experience. The scripture is very clear. Our faith in Christ is put on display through good works. Good works allow those who are saved and not to do some window shopping into your life. They are the divine acts of love done by God's redeemed, his children that allow all that know you, all who see you, to watch you live the Christian life. And by watching you live the Christian life through good works, they actually come to know more and more about your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. James is clear. We show our faith by our works. Good works, also known as good deeds in some translations, are always juxtaposed. They're put right next door to our conversion. The two are always inseparable with works in Scripture, always following saving faith. If you take all of your written and electronic Bible study tools, and you do a search for the words or the phrase "good deeds" or, or "good works," you have a wonderful study illuminated by the Holy Spirit before you about what a living faith looks like. I mean, James says, "Faith without works is is dead." As you do that study with your Bible study tools, you'll dig up this fact, that Titus, even though it's only three chapters in length, contains more mention of the phrase good works than any other New Testament book. It's a pastoral epistle. That's a letter written to a pastor of a church by Paul, Titus at Crete. But it is a book of what a living faith, not a dead faith, is and what it does in the local church. And it's a reminder that members of local churches by the very nature of conversion itself will be involved in good deeds in the church for good deeds are the effervescence of a sufficient Christ in the Christian soul. Go with me, if you will, over to Colossians chapter 2. Back a few pages to the left, okay? Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 9. Colossians 2 and verse 9. The author says here, for in him, that's Christ, for in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. Christ is God in bodily form. And in him you have been made complete. And he is the head over all rule and authority. Christ is the effervescence of divinity in human form. The word fullness there means full to overflowing. It's the idea like you watch on a TikTok video, right? Right? i was watching one last week and uh this i don't know they do these uh i don't know these tricks on tiktok i don't know if they're they're edited to make it look like it's successful like these one in 10 million chances of letting a ping pong ball bounce 50 yards off of 50 different things and actually end up in the top of a ball jar i don't know uh, but nonetheless, they're intriguing to watch. Well, this one was just a dude sitting at the top of a large staircase, staircase with a menthos in his hand. Right? And all he was trying to do is throw that menthos in the top of a two-liter bottle at the bottom of the steps. Now, I'm sure that was not successful, but he made it look successful. What happens when that menthos hits that two-liter bottle and drops inside? Have you ever done it? It's fun. It's messy. Right? There's an explosion. Right? I'm sorry to you parents whose kids are gonna go home and try that today. (laughs) Right? You maybe beat them home and clear out all the soda out of your pantry and make sure your mentos aren't sitting around. I don't even know what mentos are. I've never had one. I don't know if it's a breath mint, if I don't know if it's like it works like Tums and it settles your stomach. I don't even know what they are. I don't know if it's candy. It doesn't matter, but that's the effect. There's an explosion. That word fullness in Colossians 2.9 means that. It's fullness to explosive overflowing. That's who Jesus Christ is. To you, the moment you become his child, he will forever for you be the overflow of your life and its influence to the church and those who need Christ. And there will always be enough of Jesus to go around As a matter of fact, Colossians 3 and 4, the practical part of that book, Paul just starts to outline all the different ways that Christ has an influence in the overflow of your life. It's in your life personally in verses 1 through 11. It's in your life among the church in verses 12 to 17. And then he jumps to the home, so personally, and then ecclesiastically, and then domestically, and how you love your wife and you rear your children. And then he goes on into our our jobs, our vocational life. And there's still enough of Christ and his ability to allow you to perform good works at work so that people can see the influence of him in your life. And then chapter 4, verses 2 through 6, it's all evangelistic. There's enough of Christ left over in our schedules to carve out time for us to reach lost people for christ these are these are all good works the good works of self-ministry the good works of ministry in the local church the good works of loving and rearing well our wives and our children our homes the good works that we do at work that we'll see also as you go back to the book of titus now we'll see that and then it's all good work it's the good work of christ himself when we allow the overflow, the effervescence of him in our lives to influence lost people to come to know Christ as their Savior. So as you go back to the book of Titus, one of the best ways to allow the the, the brightness of good works to be uh, demonstrated is to put good works next to what bad works are. Because it's really night and day if you'll look with me in chapter one we're not going to spend a lot of time here i just want to identify what paul tells titus that uh, kind of ugly works are that they need to be careful of verse 10 for there are many rebellious men empty talkers and deceivers especially those of the circumcision so we're talking about how religious people right who have no problem with the existence of god and actually living him in religious ways these These can be people left unsaved that can be in a lot of trouble to the church. And these folks need to be silenced because they are upsetting whole families, teaching things they should not teach for the sake of sordid gain. It goes on to describe these people uh, more in depth. But if you go over to chapter 3 real quickly, there's a list of things here that we used to be that are bad works before we were saved. B.C., before Christ. Verse 3, For we also were foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending their life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another, but the kindness of God and so forth. We'll look at in a little bit. If you go over to chapter 3, you're going to find in verse 10 another bad deed that can actually happen in the local church. And when that bad thing happens, it's got to be addressed, right? So Paul tells Titus, reject a factious man after the first and second warning, knowing that such a man is perverted and is sinning, being self-condemned. Your translation might say, reject a heretic. That word heretic here means someone that just loves to be divisive. Someone that likes to talk bad, someone that likes to uh, speak poorly of God's people, and instead of being a loving and forgiving and a restoring of a relationship kind of person, they just have no desire to do that. And they're to be confronted, they're to be warned a second time, and then The command here is to let's make sure that they're not around the church long to be able to upset families as that same factitious person is described in chapter 1. But nonetheless, that's just one way of identifying what good deeds are is by just for a brief moment considering the darker deeds uh, that are mentioned uh, in this letter. But let's spend the rest of our time considering what a living faith is because I really believe this study is going to encourage your hearts because it encouraged mine as I thought about you folks in relationship to this text because many here, God the Spirit has led to live their faith through good works. The activity of good works all begins with the author in the early verses of chapter 1. Paul, a bondservant of who? Who started the good work in Paul's heart? God did. An apostle of Jesus Christ. For the faith of those chosen, I find this fascinating to me, that before the foundation of the world, God's work of choosing you that came to fruition, you were born again, was a good work done upon your soul in eternity past so that you could do good works. So, your living faith was a matter that was settled in eternity. So for a believer to say, I am a believer and not engage in good works, talk about that a little bit. But Paul realized this, that he was One that was not only chosen, for the faith of those chosen of God and the knowledge of truth, which is according to godliness, in the hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised long ages ago, but at the proper time manifested even in his word, in his proclamation, with which I entrusted according to the commandment of God our Savior. not only from Paul's choosing of himself, but to his gifting to the message that was given and then preached unto the spiritual benefit of the local church in the here and now, but also, he says, time and eternity all of this divine doing, all of this divine work of God in Paul's life and now demonstrated in our lives is divine activity unto us being divinely active. It's good works are just kind of like second nature to true saving faith. I think in weeks like last week, I don't think I've ever, I don't think there's another week in our church's year where the overflow of Christ is more visible than Grace Bible Day can through your good works. And we'll see that again here throughout the rest of our time together. There's three things I just want to consider as we head towards conclusion this morning. I want to look at the nature, the nature first and then the nurture okay and then some next things in relationship to good works the nature nurture and some next things what is the nature of the why we do good works well we kind of addressed it what we just said about how god acted in eternity past not only on paul but on us It was also mentioned in the text that Ben read at the beginning of the service, right? Where God acted again by sending us Christ. Verse 11 of chapter 2, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. That's That's a reason why we would celebrate Christmas, right? That's the first advent of Christ. He came to earth to bring salvation And once that salvation has been enacted upon the heart of any believer, it instructs them to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly and righteously and godly in this present age. It instructs us that a good work is looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession zealous for i think it's one of six times in three chapters we see the phrase good deeds so god's grace appeared in the form of christ and once you're born again that grace instructs you to be immediately active active in a living faith not dead works or evil works if you will i find it interesting here too that one of the i think the second most often used word in the book of titus is the word savior savior and good deeds throughout the book as you study it read it over and over and over you'll highlight savior and good deeds it's a fascinating thing in relationship to the the theme and the purpose of the whole book because when we study the life of christ we study his person and his what his work his nature his person and his work christ came to earth to perform good deeds And he was the only one that could do so in a perfect way as the Lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the world. But nonetheless, this is is the nature of good deeds. This is is where good deeds are sourced. They're sourced in God's action upon our souls. C.S. Lewis said, when Christ died, he died for you individually, just as much as if you had been the only person in the world. If you go over to chapter 3, in chapter 3, our, our triune God is fully initiating the good work of saving faith. You're familiar with these words in verse 4, but when the kindness of God our Savior, there's that name again, and His love for mankind appeared, there's that word appeared again, like it did in verse 11 of chapter 2. Now look how active God is here. Let's just kind of race through these verses, and I want you to highlight in your Bibles, if you wish, God's activity. God allowed Christ to appear. This is what God, he saved. Not on the basis of deeds, right? Which we have done in righteousness. But he's merciful, It's the Spirit of God that performs the washing of regeneration and the renewing. He poured out, verse 6, upon us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. There's that name again, that precious name. So that being justified, that's what he did. By his grace, we would be made heirs. He's enriched us for all of eternity according to the hope that is eternal life. And then he says this activity of God is a a trustworthy statement. Concerning these things, I want you to speak confidently so that those who have believed God will be careful to engage in what? Good deeds. Conversion works. Inseparable. For everyone who says, yep, I'm saved, that's me, praise God. Humbly, (laughs) that's me, saved, you work. Saved, you work. Saved, you serve. Saved, they're inextricably linked for for time and eternity. This is the nature of good works. Why did God have to act first? Are you with me? Why do you have to act first? Because we couldn't act ourselves. Amen. Remember we said in Ephesians 2:10, "We are His workmanship created unto good deeds." Or we'll remember before that, verses one through four, "And you who were dead in your trespasses and sins, God made alive." I mean, think about this, right? Let's say that you're standing with Jesus' family and friends in Bethany, right? on the roadside looking at Lazarus's tomb in John 11. Jesus comes, he comforts, he weeps. And let's say that Jesus would have stood there and just said nothing. We're all just kind of standing next to the graveside like we would stand next to a tombstone and just remember the good life of the person who's entombed or buried. certainly nothing wrong with that. That story is just nothing but a simple remembrance of the good life of Lazarus unless Jesus does something. What'd Jesus say? He says, I am the resurrection and the life, he that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. So he's telling all of those who still are taking their next breath, standing around him, there's something dead in you, and it's your soul. You need to believe in me because I am the resurrection of your spiritual life. And then he's going to address physical death. So he addresses spiritual death first, and then physical. And then he says what? Lazarus do what? Lazarus come forth. Why did God, in Christ, have to tell Lazarus to wake up? Because Lazarus was dead. Dead people don't talk. Dead people don't raise themselves to life. You said that's the silliest thing you've said in all your ministry here, Pastor Tim. Well, listen, folks. I'm trying to take what Jesus did with Lazarus physically and remind you that your soul was as dead as Lazarus's body. And unless God acted, this is the nature, unless God enacted his grace on your soul, we don't spiritually breathe. We don't have a living Faith. God speaks life into the dead soul. And because of that someday life again will be spoken into all of our dead bodies. Amen. And that's the hope of our physical resurrection in the future. A friend of mine said this, and I wrote it down, thought it was profound, in relationship to the nature of our good works. God had no more cause or necessity to save us than Jesus' enemies had to hate him and hang him on a cross. But God's saving work is the free choice of his good pleasure to the praise of his glorious grace. So when we review the language of Titus 3, 1 to 5, it's God's power that saves and gives us a living faith. And since it's God's grace that does this, it's God's grace that sustains the ability for every good work done by the believer. So it's the very nature of our salvation that compels us to live and to breathe and to do. So when we watch each other perform good works on each other, we know that is sourced in divine energy. That's a miracle. I want all of us to continue to be amazed that when God's people do good works, because they're his works they're sourced in his person and his grace and it's natural for them to be done you know there used to be this old phrase when i was growing up and my goodness is when i was a pastor's kid and when i was going through my training and then when i got out of ministry and churches speaking in different places and then here when I was a little kid growing up under my dad's ministry, there used to be this phrase, and all of you can complete, complete it that if you've been in church for a long period of time, it's like churches um, have 20% of the people doing what? 80% of the work. Why is it in some of our histories, it's not that way here now, a grace, praise God, right? But some of our histories, possibly all of our histories, were there. of the people, all right, doing the weightlifting of local church ministry. Folks, there's really only two answers to that. Either there was 80% of the flock, right, that was out of fellowship with God, or 80% of the flock that was never born again. You guys know my heart. I love you when I tell you that. You can't claim the name of Christ and by its very nature not be living your faith in the local church. It's not a Bible thing. Let alone a God thing. But by God's grace, because many of you understand the very nature of conversion and where these good works are sourced, I would definitely say that a good 95, 96% of you are doing 100% of the work. And many hands does make for lighter work. Praise God for that. So, praise God. We worship Him, not you, not us, not me this morning, right? We worship Him. Thank God that you understand His grace that way. And if you've named the name of christ for a long time and you have been detached unattached from good works in his local church in his local church my friends i have great admiration for the christian camps that i attended growing up i have great admiration for all the people i love those people i love those places i love the schools where i was trained the christian institutions where i was trained I still love and pray for both. For any parachurch organization that God was, by his mercy, glad to train me. (laughs) But when Paul writes to Titus, he's writing to a pastor of a church in a place. And the good deeds are in relationship to your function in the local church. Think about that. So many believers for the last generation or so have been so unenamored by what God was or wasn't doing in their local church, they found their way to where they thought God was working. And they put their time and their attention and their resources. Well, at least he's still working here. And maybe you had a good experience in a church and you still did that. Regardless, my point is this. This is a, a, a book written to a church. And good deeds are to effervesce there first. Not at the expense of effervescing other places. But never at other places at the expense of them first effervescing in the local church. Are you with me? I think that's good doctrine. I think that's good ecclesiology. It's sound doctrine, to be sure, as Paul talks about in chapter 2 of Titus, that the old men are to teach the younger men. Now, what's the nurture of these good deeds? That's the nature. What's the nurture as we conclude this morning? The nurturing of these good deeds is by the Spirit of God just as the renewal of our spirits are in conversion. The Spirit of God is always active. We see Him first active, obviously by Paul's own testimony in the early parts of chapter 1, but then there's some groups of people and some individuals that God's called to help nurture good works in the church. The first group what we would call, right, elders in the local church. And he says, as a matter of fact, it was one of his first assignments at Crete for Titus from Paul. Verse 5, for this reason I left you in Crete, that you would set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city as I directed you. And then he gives some qualifications, we would call them, for what, it, what you need to be in your character in order to be an elder we would call these characteristics good works because many of them demonstrate themselves in living your faith. And so even though each one of the elders here at Grace would would consider themselves to be the greatest sinner anytime they walked into any room, and we should, and I trust they still do, These men are not men disinterested in their homes. These are not men who are scoundrels or known as scoundrels in their community. They are not men disrespected by their flock. The leaders of the church are consistent in good works, not perfect, but consistent in good works. Therefore, demonstrating to the flock they understand the theology or the nature of good works. And they just live Christ. They live the overflow of Christ among God's people. And they do so in their homes, their community, their church community. And they do so with the character described here in verses 6 through 9. The good works continue to effervesce among the flock. Really, could we sit here from the top down, so to speak. The next group that nurtures good works are people over 60. That's chapter 2, isn't it? People over 60. Elders, and could we say here, respectfully, elderly. Wise men teach and lead younger men. Titus chapter 2 and verse 2. Wise women over 60 model graceful good works among the younger women in very particular and precious ways in chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. Older men, verse 2, are to be temperate, dignified, sensible, sound in faith, in love, and perseverance. And older women are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good, so that they may encourage the younger women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, so that the word of God will not be dishonored. Wise women model graceful good works among the younger women. And then we move forward again To chapter 2 and verse 9 and 10. I'm going to let you read that on your own time, but Paul begins to address those who are employed, the job force at the church at Crete. So he would be addressing all of you who have jobs that you're going to get up and go to tomorrow morning. You nurture good deeds when you go to work, and by the way, That's going to lead to our third and final point, what are the next things? But these good works demonstrated by you at work give give way to 1 Peter 3.15 happening as those people watch you by conviction, have a good work ethic and also hold tightly to a wonderful, spirit-filled disposition while you work, those people are going to come along in time and say, hey, you know what? Why are you so messed up? Why aren't you like the rest of us here? You'll be the messed up one among those who are messed up. Why don't you gossip about the boss? Right? You 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 had a chance. You had a chance to take 20 bucks out of that collective tip pile for all of the waiters, and we did, and you didn't. They would have never missed. They'd have never known. We were in the parking lot after work last week having a smoke and 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 we were talking about what an idiot our shift manager was and you just kind of left. You were like completely disinterested in that conversation. What is wrong with you? You are messed up. You cannot help when you're a believer but to take good works into a place saturated with bad deeds. It's light going into darkness. That's just the way it is. And you can't help yourself but do that because that's what believers do. You nurture. Whether you're a church leader, or whether you're a leader by way of your age and your wisdom, or whether you're a worker, this is what we do. So urge the employees to be subject to their own masters in everything, to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering. That literally means don't take money illegally from but show good faith so that they will adorn the doctrine of God our savior in what in every respect we'll look at that at next things here in just a little bit but this is what we do together as a flock and sometimes we nurture good deeds as a body as we've already read from chapter 3 and verse 10, by doing some, some hard things. And praise God, this is a flock that needs to do, needs to do, doesn't ever want to do, <laughs> needs to do the hard thing at times, when there is somebody that's not responding to the word of God, and remains stubborn in their way, and dividing the flock, and, certainly we nurture by doing the hard things when it's necessary so let's remain spirit filled in the continuing of nurturing good deeds in these ways you know I I remember going to Abu Dhabi years ago Uh, there was a family in our church that was working over there and um, they were working for an institution that gave them two vacations a year as a family to go anywhere they wanted to go in the world. And so um, they decided, they had six in their family, we had six in our family, they decided to give one of those vacations to us. And somehow their company approved it, and so we flew to um, Abu Dhabi. And, and that's quite an amazing place, how that place has been built up over the last seven years. But nonetheless, we... We took a day trip to Dubai and uh, I think it's the world's largest uh, water fountain uh, built by man uh, that is uh, synchronized to music. And uh, as far as the eye can see, when you walk up to this fountain in between these massive structures, I think Burj Khalifa the tallest building in the world. It's just down from that. You can stand next to this fountain. I could be on one end, and I don't know that I could see the other end of this synchronized fountain put to music. But it's always most glorious to watch at night because lights illuminate the shoots of water that are being pushed up by pressure in a synchronized way to the music. It's actually quite breathtaking. You're you're just mesmerized. And when it's done, he's like, wow, could this be like every five minutes instead of like every 30 minutes? Can we just like see this again and again and again? We're walking away and it's not going to be for a few more minutes. We're already on our phones trying to find a video of how we could watch it again. It was just glorious. It's fascinating though, how quickly you recognize, right? Especially at night, if one of the light bulbs that's underneath the water shooting up, right, is burnout. Because you've got this glorious array of synchronized light to music and you come to this spot where it's dark and then there's this glorious array of synchronized light. Okay. In a church that's spirit-filled, that understands the, the nature and the nurturing of good works, the church will be spiritually like that glorious illuminated fountain show. The majority should be functioning well in synchronicity with the music, so to speak. And if there is that one burnout light bulb, it should be rare. It should be rare. And I hope none of us ever want to be that person as we function in the local church. And we conclude briefly this morning with what are the next things? The church's mission is to make disciples, not transform the culture into a just society. Paul was convinced of this since his conversion in Acts chapter 9. He's the author of this letter. He was the man that took the gospel not only to the Jew but to the Gentile. We've already looked at our, uh, the influence of the gospel on the apostle Paul, but his personal influence, gospel influence is seen in verse 4 of chapter 1 where he says what to Titus? To Titus, my true child in the common faith. Whenever Paul says this of titus or timothy in philippians chapter two my son in the faith or my true child paul had been the person who had personally led timothy and titus to jesus christ these were his children in the faith he was actively living the good work of disciple making of spiritual reproduction folks we enjoyed the same grace and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So from the very early verses reminding Titus of their common salvation unto the use of the name Savior, as we've already mentioned throughout the letter, Paul reminds us that good works include evangelistic good works, the good work of going into the world and making disciples. In Titus, we recognize the extent of the influence of our good deeds as we reach the lost remember what we said in Titus chapter 2 verses 9 and 10. Our jobs. Some of you could do the math probably pretty quickly. Most of you spend on average 2,000 hours a year working. Most of you don't work in Christian companies. 2,000 hours a year naturally living good works as light in the midst of darkness. Those are next things. We enjoy not a busy environment here of doing good works at Grace Church via your spiritual giftedness or your talents or both combined. We're not busy. That's a healthy environment. That's a living faith. That's an organic environment. And that environment develops such a healthy believer, they can't help themselves but go into those 2,000 hours a week and, and, wow, live that faith. And it is illuminated. It is an illuminated faith, to be sure, granting you many opportunities to share what Christ is doing in your life as they watch your good works. As the church is cared for by the doing of good works amongst themselves, and I think verses 19 and 20 of chapter 3, verse 21, shows us how intimate this Reality is, among not only the church at Crete, but these other servants in other churches, verse 19, greet Priscilla and Aquila in the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus remained at Corinth, but Trophimus I left sick at Miletus. Make every effort to come before winter. The Eulubulus greets you. Also, Pudens, and Linus, and Claudia, and all the brethren. The Lord be with your spirit. And grace be with you all. I think it's beautiful here, folks, that that the, the the nature leads to the nurture of the saints not only in Crete under Titus's shepherding and the shepherding of multiple elders there. But the evangelistic neck things naturally happen in Crete. But then those evangelistic neck things are also attached to an interdependent, locked arm-in-arm work of like-minded believers in other local churches doing good works among one another for what? For gospel advancement. For gospel advancement. These are inspired words. Why does Paul finish this letter with people who aren't members of Crete? I think it's a good question we all need to answer why does he encourage Crete to be actively involved with the protection and the provision and the progress and the gospel with these people at grace I'm I'm tremendously honored I am deeply moved that the majority of you understand that out of this local church, as we live our faith together, and the deeper our spiritual roots grow together, the stronger we come together for a cause, for a cause, because we don't come here just to do church or go through the motions. Our church lives a collective why, together as a body. And we recognize other bodies that we can work with of similar doctrine and practice and we can work with them to live a collective why. These are good deeds. It's what flocks just do for the cause of Christ. These are certainly next things. So thank you want to thank each and every one of you for allowing the grace of God again this is one of those letters where the word grace bookends it we looked at last week for allowing the grace of God to develop you in relationship to good deeds among ourselves for the progress of the gospel in good deeds outside our walls outside our individual family and thank you for the encouragement you are to me to our leaders and can I say literally now to thousands of others across our country and the world. Your good deeds are being multiplied. God is breaking the bread of your good deed obedience. And if he can take five loaves and two fishes and feed over 10,000 miles, he can take your good deeds and influence millions. Amen. Millions, folks, right from here. Because he's God because he's God so thank you for participating in that as co-laborers in the gospel and let's keep living our faith father in heaven we love you thank you so much for the privilege of being part of your local church which is representation of your church throughout the world lord i pray that we would know your grace is sufficient enough to continue to pursue that which we've studied this morning Always be mindful of our our nature, of our conversion, giving birth to a living faith, how to nurture that in this flock unto next things. We love you, Lord. Just thanks for the opportunity to look into your perfect law of liberty. Help us, Lord, to be not just faithful hearers, but faithful doers. In Christ's name, amen.